Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, 300 years after Jesus was executed by the Roman Empire, after 300 years of on and off persecution by the empire, Christianity, in a very short period, ascended to being the official religion of the empire, the Roman Empire. Christianity, having been the enemy of the state, became part of the state. If, if you are about 50 years old or more, you grew up in an America in which all respectable people were Christians. It was unthinkable that any member of the school board, any candidate for mayor, any doctor or school principal, any banker or car dealer would not be a Christian. And perhaps the most conspicuous sign of the Christian marriage with civilization was that businesses were closed on Sundays. The defining issue of our times as a Christian church is the end of the great marriage of church and state. It's been taking place since the French Revolution and the American Revolution, and it's played out differently here, where there is no church state, and in Europe and in Mexico, where, at least until very recently, there were state churches. It's accelerated drastically in the last 20 years, and both the organized church and its customer base have reacted with anger and frustration. The marriage of civilization and church has been a marriage of convenient, convenience, and that marriage of convenience has been very convenient. You don't have to teach your children to pray. Their pastor would teach them that in preparation for confirmation, and their school teachers would be leading them in prayer in the classroom. The church and its leaders did not have to proclaim a message. People were just born into the church and paid their dues, just like they paid for water and trash pickup. Everyone said, Merry Christmas, even if they were Jewish. Everyone went to church because there was nothing else to do. Everything was closed on Sunday. It was a convenient marriage. The church didn't have to work very hard, and the state and all of its projects and leaders were able to believe that God was essentially on their side. And now it's over. The marriage of convenience has become a cordial divorce. The so-called mainline WASP churches, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Congregationalist, were the first to feel the divorce. They were the founding churches of the United States, and they were the churches that the elites were the parts of. of Harvard, Yale, Princeton, these 
are the schools that were established by the WASP churches. The largest semi-mainline churches, semi-mainline, the Lutherans and the Methodists, soon began to feel the squeeze. And during the 1980s and 1990s, the conservative Protestants and the television evangelists gloated that the mainline churches, whom they considered to be suspiciously liberal, were fading, fading because it was God's will. One of the most painful news stories that I've been following in the Los Angeles Times is the complete implosion of the Robert Schuller Church, the Crystal Cathedral, which has declared bankruptcy and has declined into bickering and recriminations among his children. Our congregation is one of the many, the vast majority, that has an aging population. We've tried at Dove of Peace in various ways to make ourselves more relevant to the young, although there is no guarantee that the young want to be related to by organized religion. I had a nauseating experience yesterday. I turned on TBN, one of the Christian cable television networks, and I saw a hip-hop band singing praise music to God on the stage, which is not a problem for me. Then the camera panned to the congregation, which was about 500 people, the average age of 70, dancing to hip-hop music. It was not a sight that I will soon forget, no matter how hard I try. Congregations tragically think that there is a gimmick, a music style, a young preacher, an advertising campaign that will make the marriage work again. That people will begin flocking into cathedrals, crystal and otherwise, to do the things and support the things that worked so well for so long. And it's over. I can put on a toupee and buy a convertible, but the past isn't coming back to me. There is no gimmick. We have a 2,000-year-old message, a message ultimately about a cross, not about a bowl of cherries. And all the people who are looking for a bowl of cherries have, in the marvelous phrase of St. John, gone out into the world. That leaves us, the ones who actually believe or the ones who want to believe, those of us who have nothing else to lose, those of us who have everything to lose, the faithful, the haggard, the innocent, the scoundrels, the misfits, the joyful, the lonely, in other words, the disciples. Jesus tells those disciples a parable, the parable of the sower. No one in Iowa would approve of this sower. No farmer 
No gardener would approve of this sower. If you want to grow a crop, you follow the instructions. You till the soil, make the furrows, plant the seeds at the prescribed interval. Have you ever, in your entire life driving around the Midwest, seen a farmer just tossing seed every which way, hoping that some of it will take? If you did, you probably didn't see him the next year. These disciples, these people listening to Jesus, they get this. They know the value of seed. Seed is food that was not eaten, that was reserved for the following season. It was held back from hungry mouths. You don't carelessly throw it around. The divorced church the church that is not equally yoked with the state, hears this message fresh. The growth is beyond our control. The seed, which is our message, is something we just proclaim. We say it over and over. And sometimes it is going to be wasted and sometimes it will pay off a hundredfold. That's a 10,000% return. The word, our message, is something that we just repeat and repeat and live and live. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Repeat. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Repeat. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Repeat. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Repeat. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor sane. Never, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Repeat. Pastor Stuart MacDonald, one of this congregation's many friends, shared this story with me this week. The very first congregation that interviewed him as he was becoming a pastor. The very first congregation that interviewed him was in the panhandle of Idaho, farmers. And they had just planted rape seed. And they, after planting the rape seed, were enraged to find out that it was a two-year crop. It would take too long it would tie up their fields with no harvest until two years had passed. The church that Stuart, Stuart ended up pastoring was in Washington State. The crop there was Douglas fir trees. It takes 80 years to harvest. Those who sow do not harvest. We want quick results. We want to plant and to quickly get a predictable crop. 
Jesus says to his disciples, it doesn't work that way. The people that Isaiah was speaking to in our first reading had been given a promise by God, but it was a promise that was hard to believe, and they weren't seeing immediate results. So God says to them through Isaiah, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That promise to the ancient Israelites is the promise to the church of the great divorce. We are to be faithful, and we are to pass on what has been given to us. We are to share the message that has been commended to us. We are to sow, and to sow, and to sow. It is not our job to judge the soil. It is our job to sow. It, is not, it may not be our privilege to harvest, or we may harvest what others have sown. But our purpose is first to sow. Solomon said, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. The defining issue of our times as a Christian church is the end of the great marriage of church and state. It's time to quit feeling sorry for ourselves. It's time to quit bickering and acting like a spoiled child. We are better than that. And we remain the custodians and the stewards of the seed, God's blessing and his plan for history. To go against conscience is neither right nor sane. Never. We cannot and we will not recant. Here we stand. We can do no other. God help us. Amen.